Welcome to another podcast by Victoria Point Baptist Church. We are glad you have joined us today. If you would like to connect with us as we aim to introduce people to Jesus by connecting with our local community and beyond, you can find out more at vpbc.com.au. It would have been an interesting life uh, being a disciple. Uh, I'm sure there were times when they were just amazed by what God was doing, uh, what they had been able to witness. I'm pretty sure too there would have been times when they were a little bit scared, a little anxious, not sure what was going to happen or what would happen next or how things would work. I'm sure there were times but when they were just in a sense of awe and wonder. And as George read to us, surely this is the Son of God. And so it would have been a very interesting life being a disciple and witnessing and watching all those things. And so we come to uh, the context of our reading today. We need to see what happened before this uh, to get an overall picture of what God is doing in their lives and how he's working and the struggles uh, that we face. They all ate and were satisfied. And so we're talking immediately before this, going out on the lake, Jesus feeds 5,000. And we read here what happens when a young boy has five loaves and two fish. They all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men beside women and children. Immediately Jesus made the disciples get in the boat and go ahead of him onto the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And One of the things that the disciples would have realised is that nothing is too hard for Jesus. They would have realized perhaps that they'll never go hungry. They didn't have to worry about that, that Jesus could even look after those things. But the disciples are learning that Jesus has power over everything, over everything. Every aspect of life, uh, he has power. And they have a sense, I suppose, of developing this, this faith and this trust that they are indeed following the Son of God. However, we, although we may not be or have the experience of the disciples and uh, maybe that's probably a good thing when you think how their life ended with many of them being martyred but even though we don't have first-hand experience of actually seeing what Jesus was doing or what he has done I think for those of us who have been following God for some years we would all have experiences of God and his power there's been moments or times when we have been made very aware only God could do that And so although we look at the disciples' life and we think, oh, how interesting, how amazing, what would it have been like to be a disciple and follow Jesus around and he feeds 5,000 just with a few loaves and fish? Each of us too have our own story and each of us have our own, uh, I suppose, experiences where God has showed us that he is over everything, nothing is too hard for him. And so we, in a different way, have that same experience. Uh, I've been blessed over the years of ministry to hear some amazing stories about how God has got people's attention, how he's drawn them to themselves and how their lives have been changed. There have been numerous times when I've stood amazed, (laughs) speechless, which is something for me, when I've considered God's timing, something that I was thinking about or worried about or considering and yet God's timing was just perfect And, and you look back and you go, yeah God, you really do know what you're doing. And so in various ways, each of us have experienced the power of God, just like the disciples, first-hand watching Jesus in action, no, 
but we all have first-hand experience of the power of God. And so we would, you would have to be blind Freddy not to recognise and acknowledge the power of God, to see a sunset or a sunrise, to think about the way that we're created, to think about the way God is able to harmonise and mesh everything into life and it all makes sense. Oh, the power of God is something that each of us have experienced at some point or other. Uh, I like to journal. Uh, I like to write down my prayers. It keeps me focused and it helps me to sort of uh, stay in that moment. But one of the things about journaling is that you write things down and then you look back later on. And, and I can remember many times, I suppose, over the years where I've written something out and I thought, gee, that's even going to be hard for God. You know, what are you going to do with that? Th- that seems like a big ask. But I can look back and I can remember and I can reflect that God has been faithful. And those things that seemed impossible to me, too hard, or that can never happen, God has worked. Now, it hasn't always worked out the way that I've wanted, but it's always worked out to the best. So God is faithful and he's good and he's, uh, we sang about that good, good father. Remember when they crossed the Jordan? God said, I want you to make a monument, 12 smooth, small stones, and they built a monument, and he said an amazing thing. He said, this is for you, but this is for your kids and your great-grandkids, and this is for all the generations to follow. I want them to look at this monument and remember, this day God turned up and did something amazing. I don't want you to forget that God is amazing and all-powerful, and so the monument is there, and we need to have those monuments where we cling to and remember what God has done. I love in the book of Ruth, uh, I I love those as-it-turned-out stories. You know, when you're not sure what's going to happen, and you're anxious, and you're afraid, and you're worried, and you're overwhelmed, but um, as it turned out, God had it under control. Here's Ruth uh, picking up the leftovers in a field and the Bible says as it turned out that that field happened to be Boaz and Boaz just happened to be her kingsman redeemer and so her life was changed, she was married and her life was restored and all those things. As it turned out, Ruth didn't have any idea what she was doing but as it turned out God did. Someone said you can only live your life going forward but you can only understand it looking back. How many as-it-turned-out stories do you have? I'm sure if you think about it and you reflect on it, you'll find out there's been many times where you were overwhelmed, you didn't know, but as it turned out, God had it sorted. And so this morning we recognise that God is over all things. Nothing comes under Him. There is no aspect of life or existence that comes under God. Uh, God is over all things. And so there's this sense of recognising his power and recognising he dominates, he rules and he reigns and nothing is too hard for him. And we see an example of this as we come into our reading today. Um, Along comes Jesus walking on the water. No canoe, no jet ski, uh, no paddleboard. Uh, I'm just guessing, but just size 10 feet. That's all it has got. (laughs) And he's just walking on the water and we see the power of God displayed in those things. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Now, we know that it's about 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. in the morning. So, you know, we, they wouldn't have been able to see clearly. But as they see this figure approaching on the water, they think it's a ghost and they get afraid. They have a quick look at the bottle of wine that they drank with dinner last night and wondered what was in it, and they're rubbing their eyes. Uh, They can't quite believe it. In fact, they're overwhelmed. 
You know, it's really easy to trust God at first, but it's really hard to keep resting in Him. And that's what we're talking about today. Faith is not how much faith you have. Big faith is a faith that's maintained. Not just a faith at the beginning, but a faith that sees you through to the end. And they, the disciples had just seen Jesus feed 5,000 people just the night before. And I know there might have been a little dark or it might have been clear or there could have been some fog on the water, but you would think if they saw an image that then maybe they might have thought this could be Jesus. But like us, who walks on water? And they're made overwhelmed with fear and anxiety. Who could this be? Now, it's interesting because Peter's faith at the beginning is sky high. You can't have any more faith than what Peter has. And that's Peter, isn't it? Loud and bold and huff and puff. Um, A sky high faith. Look at Peter's response. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus spoke. And Jesus said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter cried, tell me and I will come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and walked towards Jesus. Peter says to to Jesus, tell me to come. And Jesus says, come and Peter goes. And now we have two sets of feet walking on the water. There's no doubt that Peter has this amazing faith huge faith, sky-high faith, but we know it doesn't end well. So what's the problem here? He's got heaps of faith, huge, but we know that he's going to encounter some problems. Uh, I think the thing that God has been working with me personally uh, for the last six or 12 months has been this idea of resting. Um, I don't have any trouble trusting God My head and my faith and my experiences of God, logic tells me that I can trust God. He is in control of all those things. What I struggle to do is, while I'm trusting him, is to rest and not worry or doubt or fear. And God's been challenging me that, Paul, you can't say that you trust me if you're still worrying. You can't say that you trust me if you're still anxious or you're afraid. So when it comes to faith... Resting is inseparable. You can't say, I trust God, but you are unable to rest in him. Now, there's always some concern. That's normal. But when we start to worry and doubt, we are not trusting God. And so I don't know whether I would have been Peter. I don't know if I would have jumped straight out of that boat. (laughs) But I know there are times that my first response is to trust God. Yes, God, I'll trust you. This is an opportunity to trust you. But I don't maintain that trust. I don't maintain that faith. I get distracted. I start thinking. I look at the waves or I worry about what's happening. And suddenly I, I was trusting God, but now I'm not and I'm not resting. It is easy to trust God at first. That's a logical, normal response. And if we've been Christians for a number of years, it's just we almost do that automatically. But the real challenge of big faith is it's a faith that's maintained over time. Not just for a little while, but we maintain it. And you can see why this sort of faith uh, is foundational to our prayer life. It has to be a faith 
that we maintain so we keep praying. We talked about that in recent weeks. We talked about that need to persevere, the, the lady that was bleeding and, and it was hemorrhaging and she had that faith that didn't give up. Uh, we talked about others who to maintain their faith and not to give up. And so if we are good at having the initial response is faith, but then we start to doubt and fear, it's not really faith at all. So for us to experience renewal... For dry bones come to life, it will require a faith-filled life. There's no way around it. Unless our life is faith-filled and our prayer life is faith-filled, the work of God uh, won't have that opportunity to bring that transformation. And faith-filled prayer persists. It doesn't give up. It doesn't stop believing. It never stops. And so we don't just trust God at the beginning like Peter... Peter says, hey, I'm in. (laughs) Huge faith, sky high faith. But we all know that he sinks and his problem is that he can't maintain it. Now throughout history, as we read through the Bible, there is story after story of Christians or people of God, big names, who responded to God well at the beginning and then struggled. We know Abraham, God called Abraham and said, you're going to be the father of nations. And Abraham's first response was, yes, God. And he leaves behind and he sets off and they come to a place and it's not long before he has a problem. His wife's beautiful and he starts to have a concern that as they come into this place, to this city, uh, that that could be a problem for him. That uh, maybe, you know, he's having these thoughts, maybe the king will get rid of me so that he can marry my wife. Um, Sarah's around about 65 or 69 years age there, so they had some pretty good face creams back then, even then. But... um, he, he considered that, that probably, no, yeah, I should have not said that. <laughs> but he was concerned. So Abraham has the faith to trust God, to leave everything behind, just to do what he wants. To, yes, God, I'll do it. He has this amazing faith. I'm going to leave everything and start a new nation. But while he's journeying, he's thinking and he's saying, what's going to happen to me? So he says to his wife, tell them I'm, you're my sister. <laughs> and... Uh, as it happens, the king does take a fancy and yeah, World War Three or Four or Two or One, whatever, nearly started at that point. But Abraham, this man of faith, we find that at that time God promises him a son. And if you read through it, the Bible says it will be of your own flesh and blood. But after 10 years, after 10 years, there's no son. So he's willing to leave behind everything and start out, but he's not prepared to accept that God can protect him. God gives him this wonderful promise about a son, but after a while he gives up on the idea and his wife says, maybe this is God's plan. Maybe you should sleep with the maidservant Hagar and maybe that's what God means. And so Abraham's 86 at this point or roughly around about that age and he conceives a son and he gives birth to the Muslim faith. (laughs) And so here we see Abraham, a man of God, an amazing man who had great faith. In, Gen- in, um, in Genesis chapter 15, it says that Abraham believed and it was accredited to him as righteousness. So he was a believer. He had faith. But when things get difficult, when things get challenging, when it's not working out the way that he wants, he takes things into his own hands. So it's easy for you and me to trust God at the beginning. It's logical, it makes sense, it's consistent with our experience of God. 
But the moment that we take our eyes off him or we're distracted or we're worrying about it's not happening quick enough or it's not happening the way that we want, then we find that we have some trouble. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. I love Peter's faith. I love how Peter says, if it's you, Jesus. In other words, if I know it's you, I'm just going to walk on this water because I know that you can do that. So he has this amazing faith, but it doesn't last. Uh, One of the things that I'm not appreciating about getting older is my sight. (laughs) Um, I'm realizing that the more I need my glasses, the more I I use them, sorry, the more that I need them. So I'm long-sighted. I can see you okay. (laughs) I can see a long way away. Uh, But when it comes to things that are close to me, my arms aren't long enough. I just can't get the focus, so I need glasses. One of the things for renewal to take place, for dry bones to come to life, we need to be (laughs) short-sighted. We need to be able to look into the face of Jesus, but everything in the background is a blur. We need to have that sort of focus where we're not worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow, next week, next month. We're not worried about what's in the background. Our only focus is to keep our eyes on Jesus. And so we need to be short-sighted. Just look into the face of Jesus, keep our eyes on him. And, and we know the story. We know that was the problem that, uh, that Peter had. <laughs> um, He had his eyes on Christ to start with, but then he looked around and he saw the waves and he heard the wind and he started to get distracted and he starts to sink. And that will be the same for us. The challenge will be not responding in faith, but maintaining our faith. And if we want renewal, if we want dry bones to come to life, if we want transformation, we need to be short-sighted. We need to just look into the face of Jesus and forget about everything else. Everything else in the background, all those things are not important. Because if we don't maintain our faith in God, we won't maintain our prayer life. It just makes sense. Once we stop believing, once we lose sight, once we take our eyes off God, we'll stop praying. Oh, we might go through the, the, the formal aspect of prayer. We might set that side of time. We might lock ourselves in the cupboard. We might journal. We might pray on the way to work. We, we will keep praying, but we won't pray with any vitality or life or expectancy. Because the only way that we're able to pray and the only way for God to bring renewal is that we have an edge of faith, that awe of God. And we can only do that if we maintain our faith. And that will be the trap. All of us will be responding like Peter, yes, God, I'll trust you, and we'll take that first step. But when we think about the ways, when we think about what's going on, suddenly we take our eyes off and we start to sink. And so Jesus clarifies to us what is big faith and what it isn't. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught him. You of little faith, he said, why do you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat and the wind died down, then those who were there in the boat worshipping said, truly you are the Son of God. We come to this place of recognising and understanding that faith isn't a measure of how much faith we have, but does our faith last? Do we maintain it? Do we give in? Are we easily distracted or do we see it through? Do we keep on believing? 
For God to do anything significant in our life, in my life, in the life of the church, it will mean that we need to have a faith that is maintained. We don't give up. We don't give up. I'd like to finish with Abraham. We gave him a bit of a hard time at the beginning. We talked about how the fact that he couldn't maintain his faith. It was up and down. One minute he says, yes, God, let's do it. The next minute he's covering his tracks. But it's not how he finished. And I suppose this should be the challenge to us. It's a journey day by day. It's growing and maturing in our faith. But this is the place where we want to get to. This is the maintained faith that we want to have. And Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he reached out his hand to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord cried out to him, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. And God said, now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. Having a little faith is better than no faith at all. But what you and I need to commit to is a big faith. And when we think of big faith, we think big. (laughs) That's not what God calls big faith. He actually said, Peter, you have little faith. How could that be? Jesus said, come, and Peter just jumped out of the boat, and he started on the water. (laughs) The reason that Peter's faith wasn't big is because he couldn't maintain it. I trust this morning that we'd be compelled, uh, I suppose drawn, have this sense of God, nothing is impossible for you. Nothing is impossible for you. But I want to have faith. I want to trust, not just initially, not just to step out of the boat and then sink, but I want to maintain my faith. I don't want to give up. I want to keep on believing. For renewal to come to you, for renewal to come to me, we need to have a big faith, one that is maintained, one that is open and honest, one that never stops believing. Because when we don't stop believing, we'll be praying with expectancy and excitement and belief. And it's only that sort of faith-filled prayer life uh, that will bring about the transformation that we all seek. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that you would just remind us again right now that Peter didn't sink because he didn't have enough faith. His faith was sky high, it was huge, it was faith on steroids. But the reason that Peter sunk was because he couldn't maintain his faith. Father God, sometimes it's really exciting to step out in faith and we're good at the beginning. It's the most logical thing that we can do from our experience and with the knowledge that we have, it's to trust you. But Father God, when we look around, we see things that are happening and we hear the waves and our feet get wet, we start to panic and stress. And sometimes we don't keep on believing. Would you make your response this morning? We might well think, I have much faith. But if it's not maintained, it's no faith at all. Do you make your response, God, build in me this big faith, this faith that continues. Because when I have that faith, it will flow over into my prayer life. And when I have a big faith in my prayer life, then you're able to bring about train and transformation in me and in the church. Do you make your response?
Father God, help us as a church to see that we started out this new year a couple of months already and there's some excitement about starting out, especially when we talk about great things like revival and renewal. (laughs) But God, this is something that we need to be committed to week in, week out, listening to your spirit, praying, seeking your blessing, seeking your favour, having honesty and humility before you. This is an ongoing process. It's not just something that's going to happen quickly. We have to maintain the belief, maintain the desire, maintain the faith. Father God, we thank you for Abraham. We can see ourselves in him starting out so enthusiastically but soon doubting. We see it in Peter. Steps out but then he sinks. But Father God, I thank you that you brought Abraham to the place where that precious son of his, he was willing to sacrifice if that's what you said. Father God, it would be our prayer, my prayer, that we would journey and grow and mature in our faith where we too will get to that place where we trust you regardless, trust you in everything. Because when we have that faith and belief, then you can start your work in us by your spirit. I'd like to stand as we sing and as we reflect on the faith that God calls of us and requires of us.